and you're listening to The Seventh Reel. This week, 1957's The Seventh Seal and 1975's Love and Death. We finally arrived at our namesake. Finally. People will know what we're on about. (laughs) (laughs) People will finally know what we're on about. And uh, I have to say, is this your first time watching this? I've heard about it from my friend who is in the German University of Cairo and (laughs) in Cairo. And uh, he watched it and he likes it a lot. I don't don't know why. He's a good friend. uh, (laughs) He's also the guy who said uh, last night in Soho was uh, terrible and that I should be ashamed to recommend it. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I loved it. I, I, who knew this movie about playing chess with death would be really fun and uh, also kind of like uh, light <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> Yeah, it's very light for the subject of material. In a movie where almost everybody dies, well, almost it's oddly life-affirming. <laughs> almost. Almost everybody dies. Uh, Michelle, this was your recommendation, and give us a little insight. They're both mm-hmm. about death. I'm, I'm loving that directly, um, like, lifts from it. That's right? eye-opening. Like that. Oh, yeah. yes. Massively. Just to... If for those... Uh, for the uninitiated, uh, The Seventh Seal is directed by Ingmar Bergman, and Love and Death is a film. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Woody Allen. As a tribute, very much a tribute for, to well, work, b- think, both in many deal ways. with mm. death, but uh, Seventh Seal is more direct about it. Love and Death is kind of about, I guess, I don't want to say morality, but like living with the looming threat of mm-hmm. uh, mortality and uh, kind of uh, what it means to be a person in that brief period of time. And I think, okay, so so here's my take on uh, on the difference that i saw in in the movies obviously other than like the superficial like surface level stuff of him it being set in russia and uh, this one being uh, the seventh seal being during the plague Mm -hmm. and this one's during like the napoleon's like campaign to conquer russia i i think that love and death is way more cynical than the seventh seal and it's Mm -hmm. it's more about like embracing the absurdity of the experience Whereas the Seven Seal kind of like ma- makes this like kind of plea of like, well, take this seriously, try to do something meaningful. And uh, I, I think Love and Death is kind of like, uh, sort of like it masquerades as like, you know, oh, it's it's all fun and games, but it's actually really dark. <laughs> like it's much darker in that uh, it kind of like deals with these themes of like, is it like kind of, uh, is there any kind of sense of morality really? Whereas the Seven Seal definitely has that like baked in like it was like okay there's a good and there's a bad and you have Mm -hmm. to do something meaningful you know during that time whereas this is kind of like Mm -hmm. i don't know uh (laughs) you know maybe maybe not but it's weird (laughs) that's that's all it felt like I agree that I, th- I thought Woody Allen's take on it is way more cynical. I thought it's interesting how both films discuss this idea of like our our minds are we wa- we spiritually want to be one way, but the idea that we exist in the mortal real- realm, right, and we exist in these little f- 
flesh puppets means that we are confined to like very prim- primitive and primal like urges that kind of ground that kind of like gets in our way because mm-hmm. when death first meets the night he asks him are you afraid he's like my spirit isn't but my body is like my body is afraid like our us as mortals us as like living beings like are inherently inherently feel one way or the other i thought mm-hmm. i thought it was really interesting anyways mm, i think because they're like yeah they're both sad they're both period mm. pieces so a time when like is really dark and so much death and destruction was going on and then i think the plague stuff the stuff like when i've watched this before didn't hit me the same like i really understood the whole like you know is everyone gonna die or like what is going on mm-hmm. like you don't know what's gonna happen and in a time when like both times or like you're entirely surrounded by like everything you know is this probably this town except for the crusades who've been elsewhere but everyone else hasn't they've only been in sweden or russia and so they don't know anything else all they know is what they have and what Mm -hmm. they've seen so like why wouldn't they Mm -hmm. believe in a god because like what else have Mm -hmm. they got to compare with Uh, well and when they're confronted with like the plague they might it might as well be the end of the world to them yeah that's what it felt like like, because it had like a 70 percent death rate back then it killed so many people like they had Mm -hmm. no idea what was going on i was about to like mention like both and this idea of, like not knowing what's going on these things might as well be acts of god i think goes hand in hand with like the filmmaking of both of these movies i think like woody allen's take much leans a, le- a lot more heavily into farce but um the seventh seal operates on this kind of like magic wheels and rules that i really i thought it was really really cool mm-hmm. the idea that the father of the, the acting troupe who were spirit like the family like he's the one who has like who is like he sees death and he sees the night plane uh, chest of death and i love the idea that um the wife is like oh you see these see the visions and it almost it feels like this like film uh bergman utilizing the medium of filmmaking to realize these like these questions that we have with ourselves that we can't really see right we can't really in our daily lives like talk about like visual visualizing god but through cinema that was always possible I thought that was really interesting well, why, why, why did you think death was white in the love and death? Hmm. I thought about this, but hmm. I still don't know. Is it just to avoid like the it being the same color? <laughs> no, but it's no, no. But like then he like proceeds mm-hmm. to ape like the ending of like one of the shots from Persona. Bergman's like shot by shot, like composition by composition. The so wheat. I don't think he was afraid to like they... make direct allusion. I think the wheat. <laughs> and now they're talking about oh. wheat. I'll <laughs> just. Yeah, it's great. Um, here's here's a line I love. It's like when the tour is end when he's like, uh, "Death. Uh, it may not be great, but it's a great way to, 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 uh, to, to, to I forget what it was. Oh, it was something like to <laughs> stop your, to cut down your expenses or something. Uh, that was. Um, yeah, it's a way I got to understand. It's so dark. Um, I love the bat. I thought Love and Death was really interesting. Like I was like, wow, Woody Allen can actually kind of direct mm-hmm. like a big battle scene. I I didn't know he had that in him, and also like make fun of it at the same time. I love the like idea, like that little throwaway line he has, like, oh, it sure looks a lot different <laughs> from like the general's <laughs> point of view on top of that hill yeah. when you're in it. <laughs> and then it cuts to sheep, like yeah. literal sheep. I, I, love I, I loved like, all oh, the physical anything, stuff, like anything, him. Yeah. Uh, training and stuff like that like i that that was where it got me the most yeah i, I laughed a lot at that oh it also this is like a, a very uh well i want to say it's light it's a pretty straight parody mm-hmm. of uh, war and peace in terms of the character but he in war and peace he also like you know gets involved with another man's wife gets challenged to the duel <laughs> and 
what comes out alive. Um, it also takes place during the Napoleonic. Like a lot of things parallel, and the and and the uh, ending with the young woman. I forgot what's her relation to Diane Keaton's character. She's played mm -hmm. by just, she's played by the girl from Suspiria. When they're talking about wheat, that mm -hmm. like her like love triangle or love octangle octangle is complete. Is just like oh. a Sparknotes version of War and Peace. Well, he was talking about <laughs> was really interesting. And, uh, um, the prison cell. That's yes. It's so densely packed with yes, jokes exactly. and references, and I some of it. Yeah. doesn't work and oh and the, i completely forgot the protagonist of war and peace does try oh, to like assassinate really? napoleon this as makes well me want to read war and peace once like he burns yeah <laughs> it's, it plays it like almost by plot beat by plot beat that well, he mentions the brothers um, yeah yeah at one point. And he talks about crime and punishment mm -hmm. and yeah like, that guy killed two old ladies that stuff like that but yeah i i think it's like one of those like airplane or what was that uh, uh, those movies, Naked Gun, stuff like that, where it's like densely packed with jokes that some of them could have been cut, uh, and uh, and it would have. Yeah. So you don't want to yeah, make a joke all yeah, the time. <laughs> that's that's what I admire about stuff like Thirty Rock, where it's like the rate of jokes is consistent, but the quality is so like you know also at the same level yeah whereas uh, whereas this some jokes were like oh okay well i plot of land and he has a tiny house on it that's uh but then other jokes uh, got me like whatever. they were so good that i think if you just picked out those ones you would be like end up with a better mm -hmm. movie but uh who am i to say <laughs> But this is like early mm -hmm. Woody Allen. This is two years before well, any horror. Early Woody so Allen like, is like six movies in. <laughs> that's, that's amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> like the bit when... <coughs> oh no, it's the plague. Oh no. The, the bit when like him and Diane Keaton are like talking, like they're in mm -hmm. a monologue out loud is basically like the precursor mm -hmm. to you know diane keaton coming out of her body in the scene in annie hall basically oh i don't know but he hasn't perfected mm -hmm. it yet I thought, I thought diane keaton was really good in this as well she was very she was very funny did you answer the thing about why it's like white or black no i can't find it um no we didn't do i think like tonally it wouldn't work if in love and death it was black mm. Like, because that's too dark. Mm. Most of it is quite, like, light and fast. So it's more like they know death is coming, but it's not like they're not pleading. They're not, you know, against it. They're just like, eh, it happens. Move on. Yeah. I think that's... Well, uh, this also, uh, the question I had about the dance, I, I wanted to know about why, why, why did they do a dance in the Seventh Seal? Is that also kind of to do the same point? Like, it's just like, oh, this happens, or... I think it's in terms of well, it's just accepting that death isn't like this like negative or like evil force. It is just like a nature of it's just mm -hmm. you next stage, right? And there is no if there is no real definition of whether heaven or hell exists, maybe it's just something different, something else beyond this world, and we should treat it as not as like a finality finality, but just into like something else beyond the, our mortal bodies. I think that's why in both cases it's like well it's a dance right um not necessarily like although like the ending in which like they say like a uh, death commanded them to hold hands and dance through like their dance dance through their uh, tears through the rain that kind of kind of contradicts what i just said but still i don't think they're necessarily like in terms of like death leads to internal suffering death just leads mm. beyond to to death the undiscovered it, country which no man in the undiscovered country that's from Hamlet. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, that's very good. Man, Shakespeare's got it nailed it's down. A pretty good line. What did you guys think about the filmmaking? I thought Bergman. This is. I thought the visuals in oh the set were yeah. awesome. Like there was some the way he shoots like a person's face is like unlike any other director. Well, that's I've his ever like seen. trademark though. He's mm-hmm. so good at. Yeah, that. but like the way he gets the close. Well, close that, that's the uh, the thing about the like the seventh seal it's it kind of feels timeless like i watching the woody allen movie it has a very distinct like 70s feel like love and death has this like kind of the color and like and like the tone and uh and the performances whereas the other one it just felt Mm -hmm. like it could have been made like at any point in time i had I uh, was blown away. I mean, I don't know what um, was going on, like, for Bergman, but I feel like 1957 for him was just a rough year because he made Wild Strong. Oh, he too. was looking back. <laughs> the same year. And, like, contemplating. Yeah. Maybe he had a child or something. Yeah, well, it says that a, a, <laughs> the film helped him overcome his crippling fear of death because the film dealt so overtly with the subject he found it highly, a highly cathartic experience. I guess that's mm. what I should do. I should make a movie that, that, that about make sense. death, <laughs> and then I'll be fine with it. Yeah, mm. you'll be you'll emerge. You know, that's kind of interesting because you know how like when uh, Edgar Wright made like Shaun of the Dead, he people would ask him like, "Have you watched The Walking Dead?" He's like, "I've had enough zombies for a whole lifetime. I'm fine. I don't want to watch another zombie movie ever again." Yeah. So I think that's kind of what it is. I think he's just like. Given it everything and now and then he's like oh whatever but what what led mm-hmm. him to that I mean he's a fascinating guy the most unrealistic part of this movie is that all these ugly ass dudes have like hot wives have you realized even in like plague ridden europe which guy is that like, okay. who look like 20 oh the actor both the tr- <laughs> yeah that was bb anderson i was like oh her again like she's like in every one of his movies it's crazy i didn't know it was, what's his name Max von Sydow is in. Yeah. yeah, he has such a cool look. He, he has, yeah, when he's younger. Oh, like he looks like a. He doesn't look like a man of his time. <laughs> he looks like genuinely like a middle middle century man. I like the ideas like when before seeing this actually like knowing what this watching the seventh seal I thought it was like all just about like the chess game I didn't know like this is like the, the chess game is like this metaphor of this ongoing game that he's playing with death I thought it was very interesting how death's arrival is signaled by a, a by sunlight mm. or by light like emerging I thought that was a very interesting visual um, representation considering like okay he's dressed in black you and there's all this talk of shadows but when he arrives he arrives through a ray of sunlight which is you know traditionally associated with god's arrival and then there's like that uh mute girl that they say from the village who speaks at the very end right to death like it is it is done or something like that mm-hmm. it is finished i kept trying to figure out like piece together what that's supposed to represent to me like if it feels like death and God are one and the same. Like this is like kind of the same force that's mm-hmm. acting upon us. And because that girl, and I can interpret that the mute girl to be an observer from God or an angel, right? I guess. Food for thought. I know, but it just didn't like with existentialism. I just think that like you just exist and then you exist because you exist because you exist. You do what, what you want. To live is to, wait, what is it? What does Dying Keaton say at the end? To love is to suffer? Yeah, to, suffer to, is love to suffer is to suffer. That's, that's going and into to that. To not love is to suffer. To not love is and to so suffer. To suffer is part of Yeah, I love that. How that also descends into a joke. I thought that was really funny. How like she gets confused as to like what the metaphor is. Like tracking the metaphor. Mm-hmm. Both really good movies. I can't believe uh, he got offered to go to Bergen Island. And he made yeah. um, these movies. And he was like, nah. 
not gonna go. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't like flying. <laughs> like watching this, I was like, "Oh, like, you're like a super fan. Or this would be your dream." <laughs> yeah, this is like. Yeah, like Bergman. He references Bergman so much. He made like I can't remember what it was, what it's called, but it was like this film that was basically Persona, and it was no jokes in mm-hmm. it. It was like done straight, which is such a weird experience because I didn't know. I just assumed it's a Woody mm-hmm. Allen. It's a comedy, and it was just mm-hmm. pure like straight and it was so weird it didn't work for me because i was expecting jokes but you know like he loves him like in he talks about him so much in like manhattan which is where i like first heard about bergman and then watch bergman <laughs> because of that well i mean maybe he's just like kind of sit too set in his ways the neurosis one over his uh <laughs> his own you know Curiosity. Should we take a break? Mm-hmm. All right. And we're back now. Onto my personal favorite segment. Uh, what, what, what have we? What, wait, we're gonna rate it. Rating time. We're gonna read it first, right? And then we'll move on to like. Okay. Yeah. What are we gonna rate this? We got we each got seven reels, and only one can come on top because it's an odd number. Isn't that great? <laughs> so well thought out. Yeah. Okay, Yusuf, do you want to go first? Sure. I um I would give the seventh seal four reels uh, because it had a uplifting message. It was really fun. <laughs> okay, Grandpa. And uh. <laughs> And uh, I I was hypnotized by it. Like I I couldn't like mm-hmm. get up from my seat. I couldn't. Which is uh, yeah. when I'm watching this at home. So I there's a phone and there's stuff happening, but I was still watching it. And I would give three reels to Love and Death. It's funny. Really enjoyed it. But it again compared to the Seventh Seal, it's hard to yeah. So that's it. Michelle? So I just remember, so because I, I watched The Seven Seal in the cinema one, and like half the cinema fell asleep. <sighs> Literally, there was a guy in front of me who was snoring so loudly, like I wanted to kick him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm giving the same as Yusuf because. Ah, darn it. <laughs> because obviously, The Seventh Reel is just a tiny bit better. And also, you just like, said The Seventh Reel. It's not, did I? The Seventh Reel. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, our names gotcha. they will become synonymous eventually. Yeah. Yes. But Love and Death, like, it's got some problematic parts. Oh yeah. The Seventh Seal doesn't really, so hmm. I guess it gets points for that. I unfortunately can't come up with anything original either in terms of rating. I like both of these films a lot, but I thought Bergman's just like his filmmaking quality is just like you said, Yusuf, absolutely hypnotic. I couldn't find, I couldn't believe how much I was like sucked into it as the film like goes along, even though like there isn't that much of a central plot and it's kind of just like one series of like moral quandaries after the other. But it's done in such like a dreamy, fa- in such a dreamy fashion. Yeah, I kind of fell in love with it. I thought Woody Allen's, uh, I, it, Love and Death was a lot funnier. I remember I couldn't I forgot that this movie was like one joke every 30 seconds 
back to back and like nearly everything Woody Allen says is a joke I thought was really impressive and it's impressive to write like an 80 90 minute movie like of just like one liners yeah and still manage to kind of pull it off and still manage to kind of pull it off with like a sobering message at the end I thought it was very very impressive at the same time Bergman kind of comes up comes up on on top so uh four reels for the seventh seal and three reels for love and death just like everybody else so we're in mutual agreement Mm -hmm. okay well there you have it folks now on to my personal favorite segment (laughs) i keep stop saying this um what have we watched this week who wants to take it away i will you will so i didn't really watch much but I watched, what is it called? It's this Will Smith thing on YouTube called Best Shape of My Life, which is just such a weird thing. He created like six episodes and it's basically like a giant promotion for his new autobiography and his new film, King Richard. Yeah. But he's trying to like lose 20 pounds in Mm -hmm. the first 20 weeks of 2021 because he's in the worst shape of his life and just like the the insane like regimen of just exercising is just insane like he works out like five times in one day just to lose a pound a week like every day it's completely insane like it's so unhealthy and he keeps going on about like i want sustainability i want to be able to keep this in my life and then all of his personal Mm. trainers and nutritionists are like you need to eat this disgusting thing that you hate but it's good for you and then you need to have this ridiculous schedule where you wake up at five o'clock every day and then he's meant to do like intense like writing of an autobiography it's just so weird and then he like has this weird breakthrough halfway through where he's like i'm done with this show we're not doing it anymore and he's like it becomes like a charlie coffin thing it's it's just weird so so what happens it just stops well, in the end, it becomes like it doesn't matter what he weighs. Uh, that's the uh, You never find out <laughs> if he matter. loses the weight or not. I could have saved time and just talked to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But sure. But it, it's kind of interesting from a, a sociological perspective to watch that. Yeah. I would definitely. Because it goes like really into his his childhood which you forget that celebrities have like childhoods that aren't like just as rich as they are now which is sort of interesting but i'm not interesting enough that i want to read his book yeah well i watched the lady killers because uh arvin made us watch intolerable cruelty and uh i wanted to see the rest of the coen brothers filmography like fill in the gaps and i can't believe like Intolerable cruelty is what made you do that, though. Yeah, well, it's uh, <laughs> it's not like uh, it's definitely not great, but but it it made me like wanna it made me more curious. Like I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to see what where is the the definition of the bad Coen Brothers movies, and uh, I gotta tell you, they're better than most movies that come out because it's still Coen Brothers, so there's like interesting stuff in there. There is a, a, a some stuff uh, like racial stuff that I find a bit problematic, but also kind of uh, intriguing that they don't like repeat at all. And I think I think they kind of get um, sort of like they like they almost like learn lessons from their misfires, and it's mm. kind of interesting to see that. 
So it's worth checking out. Did you feel uncomfortable in intolerable cruelty when he cuts to the uh, the bunch of uh, African American characters the, like watching like, the element I'm talking you, about in Lady Killers is kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Did you notice how I, I felt a little uncomfortable watching? I was like, did you like? Are these guys allowed to write like characters like these? Yeah. Like, well, okay. if you watch Lady Killers, you kind of you you'll get that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking that like, that that was like what you were. But like, but, but otherwise, <laughs> it's it's like it's it's way better than like watching the Tomorrow War or something. So. Yeah, yeah I get yeah. that. Cool. While you two watch interest, something interesting, I watched something not very interesting. In fact, it kind of it made me really sad. I watched on Friday, Netflix released its uh, live action remake of Cowboy Bebop. And as a big fan of the original, I tried to come in with an open mind. And uh, this is like a... I think this is the best as like a textbook example of not understanding the assignment because what this show has done is uh, copied or tried its like its aesthetic is completely trying to adapt the visual qualities of anime which is like makes it which makes which of course doesn't quite translate to live action everything looks like a cartoon all the characters talk like cartoons and the action isn't great but what the original source material does was try to go beyond the trappings the common trappings of anime and try to create a more philosophical more mature kind of gritty story realistic story that just happens to be science fiction and this what this is something that this live action remake completely ignores and in turn it look it's, it's very embarrassing I, I i don't recommend it i don't see how this can appeal to anybody to people who like are go like okay maybe i'll give this a chance maybe like this live action thing will get me like get me over the stuff that i don't like about anime that's not going to happen here because this show doesn't, yeah, this show is just a mess. Um, John Cho is too old. He's an old man, and he looks very goofy doing those action sequences. And there's an instance, and I'm just going to spoil one instance of dialogue where a character goes like, "Are you blackmailing me?" And then uh, the, the, the 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 other character goes, "Yes, you are black, and you are a male, so I'm blackmailing you." Oh boy. That's an actual line of dialogue in this in this show. And, uh, I mean, Netflix don't have a great track record at the moment. They don't have a great track record of track record of adaptation. Like of all the I mean, things they should not change. Just treating like anyone well. Hmm. But yeah. You know. Exactly. Well, there you go. Don't watch the Bebop show. It's just watch the original show, which is also on Netflix. Just watch the superior original source material, <laughs> and it's much better and shorter too. So there you go. That's what I watched. Now, moving on, our recommendations. Who wants to take it away? I will. I don't know which Bergman film to recommend. Mm. Either like Hour of the Wolf, Winter Light, or mm -hmm. Persona. But I feel like most Persona, a lot of people have watched. But I think Winter Light, not many people talk about. So that is, it's a lot darker than this. It's very much like tackling, like, where is God? Why is he not helping mm -hmm. me right now? It's sort of like when you're so depressed and you, you feel... He was, he was relating that to like when Christ is on the cross and his like God isn't doing anything. Like that's how he feels right now. He feels like completely abandoned hmm. and it's a lot darker than the seventh seal and full of Catholic stuff. So that's fun. Cool. My recommendation. It's I, I, was, I haven't seen enough Mer Bergman to make like a concrete uh, companion piece, but I will say Andrei Tarkovsky's Andrei Rubliev reminded mm -hmm. me, like I, that's kind of the movie I thought of the most while I was watching The Seventh, Rio, uh, seventh Seal. <laughs> I did it again. I did it too. I did it too. Ah, we're becoming too, too, too prideful. 
in terms of like this, both movies deal with this like desperate yearning to try and reach God, to try and like seek answers from Him, and do and trying to do that through art. That the big the biggest com- that sequence in the seventh seal where uh, they reenact the crucifi- crucifixion of Christ, and the and you see people like they go on the par- you see the parade right, and everybody falls to their knees in prayer. Everybody like trying to hope hold on to something and it's kind of like a theater piece and it takes place during a theater performance but then it becomes a performance in itself i thought that reminded me a lot about of uh andre rubliev mm-hmm. which is also about the pursuit of god through art yeah that's my recommendation yeah well mine is uh don't look now the that movie about the couple who lose their daughters have you recommended this before i don't think so but i have a i have a backup if you want Nicholas Rake, right? Is that the I think so. I know it's Donald, mm-hmm. Donald Sutherland's in it. It is by Nicholas Rake, right? But yeah, it's a, it's kind of a good movie about dealing with grief mm-hmm. more than death. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it deals with looking at the beyond and what lies after and the implications of the big, uh, the big questions of yeah of uh, psychic trauma and stuff like that. It's a good movie. And if you want something light and more closer to love and death, you should watch The Death of Stalin. That's oh, that's a comedy. Yes. It's Russian. It's Russian. It's also not Russian. Yeah, it's sad in Russia. Yeah. I love the black drill with the instructor in, um, <laughs> in Love and Death. I thought it was so funny. It's like, you love Russia? I'm like, okay. It's so dumb. So stupid. Okay. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, that means uh, that leaves us with next week's mm-hmm. next uh, week topic. our uh, it's gonna be escape movies. So we're gonna watch The Great Ooh. Escape and Cool Hand Luke, and we're gonna talk about them. And it's gonna be great. And you're gonna wanna exactly. do the opposite of escape. You're gonna, you're gonna wanna like stay in to listen because <laughs> <laughs> the episode's gonna be so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm excited. I haven't seen both of those movies. And I'm very excited too. Meaning to. I think I've seen The Great Escape, but I don't remember it very well. I only know the song. The theme. Yeah. The... Although I have had the Chicken Run theme in my head all week. So. <laughs> cool. Right. Very good. Well, well, keep it real, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 The Seventh Reel is hosted by Marvin Huang, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lin, and our outro music is composed by Yahya El Bashir. Thanks for listening.